Anybody here ever been afraid of the dark? Maybe you think back to when you were a kid. Maybe now. I mean, the dark can be pretty scary. Uh, it makes me think back to uh, when I was 12 years old. We lived in, uh, in the city, in San Jose, track homes, the whole thing, surrounded by a lot of people. And then suddenly we moved to uh, a ranch where there was like no people. And it was really, really scary. We lived on top of this hill. Our closest neighbor was about a half mile away. And so we were on the backside of Mount Madonna and Gilray looking down on all this and my dad wanted to, you know, his dream was to have a ranch, so we had horses and we had cattle and chickens and all that kind of stuff. And it was my duty as a 12-year-old to go out at night and um, feed all the animals. So this, this was uh, my weapon right here. This is, I actually wouldn't call it a weapon, I, I needed this. Um, and so my, my good light, I would be out on these trails. Our stables were about probably a quarter mile from the house up on the hill. And so there, we had critters everywhere. We had, we had, you know, we had coyotes, we had rattlesnakes, we had bobcats, cougars, things that could really do some damage to you. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was really, really afraid. And sometimes when there was no moon, it was just darker than dark, and I, I'd be kind of out there, you know, and i just praying, just praying the whole way, God, I'd just help me to make it to the horses without, you know, being attacked by a cougar, and, and then make it back to the house. And it's just absolute fear. Every time that I got back to the house, it was like, oh, I made it this time. The, the scary thing, beyond just knowing that they were out there, is you could see eyes in the trees. And I, you'd hear, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. So, you know, and that's kind of freaked me out a little bit. Obviously, it's an owl, but whatever. And, 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 but then you see other eyes looking at you. Sometimes those yellow eyes look peering out. And I thought, man, what in the world is out there? There's scary things that are out there. Well, today, uh, we're going to talk about light and darkness. Light and darkness. If, if you probably know this if you've read the Bible for any length of time, but, but the, um, light and darkness are oftentimes in the Bible are used as metaphors. And, and, and so the Bible kind of uses it this way. When you, when you think of darkness, oftentimes the Bible is talking about evil. It's talking about um, lostness, like being lost, and which happens sometimes when you're in the dark, for sure. And then it talks about uncertainty. I, I, I just don't know. And then when it talks about light, it's talking about just the opposite. It's talking about hope. It's, it's talking about guidance. It's talking about finding your way. And it's talking about certainty. So today, Jesus makes a, a great proclamation. If you have your Bibles with you or um, on your phone or whatever, why don't you go there to the book of John? We're going to read eight verses today. And let me give you a little uh, kind of context for, for what's going on here. So John, who, of course, is a disciple of Jesus and has like uh, the front row seat. He sees all this, hears all this. He's with Jesus for three years in his ministry. This is the tail end of the ministry of Jesus because this is written days, about days before he's actually crucified. And so things are at a boiling point, especially when you get into chapter 8 of John. You might recall a couple of weeks ago we talked about the fact that they picked up rocks and they wanted to stone Jesus. Well, why did they want to do that? Because Jesus had made the great, proc- the great I Am proclamation, and there's seven of them in the book of John. Last week, we talked about the fact that he said, I am the bread of life, and that I am sustenance. I am what your life is about. Today, he says, I am the light of life. So um, let's, let's get into it. And again, uh, he's with a bunch of Pharisees and religious leaders and people that are angry. Just I want you to sort of get the vision, visualize this in your mind. These people are extremely ticked off and angry because Jesus is making this proclamation that he's the Messiah, that he, he's God. So beginning with uh, verse 12, if I can find it here, 
Hang on for a second. Oh, here we are. When Jesus spoke again, and the, the people said, he said, now here it is, here's where he drops it. He said, I am the light of the world. But I want you to think about the I am. This is what they're hearing. We're, we're just going, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a cool statement. No, they're hearing the I am part because they know once again, he's making that, he's saying, I am, which is the, I am Yahweh, I am God. Remember, he said, before Abraham was, the crowd, I am, and they picked up stones and tried to kill him for saying that. So he's making, he's, he's out in fact, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. That's a huge statement when you think about it. He says, if you follow me, you're going to be walking in a way, you'll always have guidance, you'll always have hope. And then he says, where it says, verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him. They said, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, even if I testify in my own behalf, my testimony is valid for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. And your own law is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself and my Father, and the other witness is the Father who sent me. Now, this next statement, verse 19, you can read this and you can go right over it and never, and go, oh, yeah. And so let me give you some context here. Then they ask him, where is your father? Well, what they were really saying, remember that story about his mom being a virgin and his dad and all of that? This is a dig at him right there. What they're really saying is, where's your daddy? And they're coming hard at him, man. This is, this is not a nice statement they make to him. They're like, oh, where is he? But Jesus, being Jesus, just goes right by it, and he says to them, you do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one sees him because his hour had not yet come. Where he says that and when he makes this statement is really important, and we'll get into that in, in just a minute. So Jesus says... I am the light of the world. And the question is, what, what does that mean to us today? 2,000 years later, he says, I am the light of the world. What, is that, what does that mean in particular to our, our lives? Well, a few things. First of all, he fulfilled the hopes and really the dreams of people who had been suffering in darkness. Uh, John says, that, or actually, excuse me, Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before the appearance of Jesus, he makes this statement. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light that has dawned. You know, the, the story of humanity really is a story of people that are lost in darkness. It, you don't have to read the Bible to find that. Just pick up a world history book. Pick up any history book and read the history of any people in any nation in any place, and you're going to see a lot of darkness. You're going to see people in slavery. You're going to see wars. You're going to see all kinds of brokenness. You're going to see, I mean, it's just messy. And so when, when Isaiah said this, he goes, but there, hope is coming. There's a light is coming. And of course, he's projecting that Jesus, the Savior of the world, is, is going to come, is, that there's going to be hope. And then the, what Jesus does is he uses his words to open up heart. He uses his position and his words to open up minds and hearts. And that's why he says, it says in, in verse 20, he spoke these words while he was teaching the temple courts. Now, let me, let me talk about this for an instance, because 
You often heard the expression, timing is everything. Here's, here's what's going on. This is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. This is a huge celebration in Jerusalem. And on this particular day, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, they would light up these 16 different huge lights at the temple where Jesus was teaching. And the lights were so bright that it was said that it would just the light would be cast all over Jerusalem. And from anywhere in Jerusalem, people would look up at the lights and go, it's happening, man. Now, this got to remember, no electricity, but the whole, I mean, it's like the whole of Jerusalem is just lit up. People are out on the streets, and they're dancing, there's choirs, there's celebration everywhere, and it's on this occasion when Jerusalem is all lit up, what does Jesus say? I am what? He says, I am the light of the world. Wow, that's strategic, that he would say, he would wait for that moment, but more, there's more to it. It's not only what he says, and on that day when everything is lit up, but it's actually where he is. He's at the temple chorus. He's actually, if you know anything about the temple chorus at that particular time, or the, the temple, it was divided into different categories where people could go and not go. And the first one was called the Court of the Gentiles. The Court of the Gentiles, anybody could go there. You could, uh, you could bring a lamb to sacrifice or whatever uh, and hang out there. Uh, and sometimes Jesus would be in that area. But today, Jesus moves to the next area, and this is called the Court of the Women. The Court of the Women is where only... Jewish women and men could go, uh, and they could bring their sacrifice, they could bring their offerings. And then there was the next one, which was the, the court of the men, that was only Jewish men, and then there was the court of the priests, which led to the Holy of Holies. Now, let's go back to where Jesus is. Jesus is at the court of women when he makes this proclamation. Why is that important? Because in that time, women were, for the most part, seen and not heard. They had literally almost no status in society other than to be mothers and wives and sort of caretakers. And in that moment, Jesus said, I want all of you to hear what I have to say to women, to men, and to children. I am the light of the world. He's very intentional about when he says it, where he says it, and and the timing of it. And then he, what he does is he offers a solution. He, he, he offers a simple invitation to people walking in the darkness. And it's the same 2,000 years ago as it is today. People just trying to figure it out, right? You ever like go, oh, if I could just figure life out, is there a combination? Is there a secret code or something? Because like, we, we're walking in darkness a lot of times, apart from Jesus. And basically, Jesus is saying, if you will follow me, I'll show you the way. If you will follow me, you won't be stumbling so much all the time. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, about two or three weeks ago, my wife and I were cruising through to see uh, my, uh, my, well, my grandchildren, and Summer, my daughter, and her husband, Parker, uh, in Ventura. And while we were there, uh, we started playing games you know, with the kids, and the kids are actually, uh, Emerson is uh, 10 years old, and Emerson came up with this game. And she said, I want you to play this game. So like, okay, we're in. What do we do? And she, uh, she had this hat, and she had written down little things for you were supposed to do and put them in the hat. And so whatever you pulled out, that's what you were supposed to do. So, you know, it was like skip backwards and do three somersaults. And we're kind of getting into the game a little bit, and everybody's laughing and having fun. And at one point, I, I pulled something out, and it said, close your eyes and then walk, you know, across the room. And so it kind of brought me back a little bit. I was like, God, I used to do this when I was a kid. 
You know, you ever do that? You close your eyes, and you're kind of like, oh, I wonder if I can make it across the, the room with all the furniture and everything. And it, this is one of those occasions that it, it kind of reminded me of that I was, I was moving across the room, and I'm like, man, I hope I don't. And there's furniture all over. And they're going, turn right, turn left. And I'm here to tell you, I safely made it across the room. But it really, it, it's, it's a point about this, that Jesus offers us the opportunity to no longer have to stumble through life. Now, I've, I've done a little bit of stumbling through life, and I suppose that probably a lot of us have. That's why we need guidance. That's why we need God to help us navigate through this thing called life. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you, and I'm going to keep you on, on track. And if you'll follow me, you won't get in all the messes that you could get in. You won't be groping around in, in darkness trying, trying to figure it out. When I, was, when I was growing up, and for those of you that might have grown up in church, you probably heard the word lost used before about people who didn't know God, and they'd, they'd say, oh, man, you know, Charlie's lost. And what that meant was that Charlie didn't have a relationship with Jesus, so he's sort of just, just trying to figure it out. Now, it, that's what it is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But whenever we close our eyes to Jesus speaking to us or to leading us or to his intervention in our life, it means that we are intentionally choosing to stay in darkness. We may not see it that way. We may not even say it that way. Say, well, no, no, I'm just, I'm just kind of living my life, you know? That's just, just what, I, what I do. But if you're not living your life and you're following Jesus, the Bible says you're actually walking in darkness, and actually it's, it, it's intentional. Because that's what we do. We go, well, I'm living life on my own terms, and I got to, you know, some of us say, I, a little bit of Jesus kind of helps, you know. Uh, and Jesus says, well, actually, I want to be, you know, all in your life. We talk about that all, all the time around here. John says it this way, chapter 3, verse 19. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come to the world, but the people, now catch this, love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And I get that, and you get that, right? I mean, one of the reasons that a lot of people don't want to make that commitment to be a follower of Jesus is because it's a pretty tough commitment. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. You're no, no longer living for yourself. Now you're going to be living for a different purpose. And it's not like the old way of life where we go, well, I'm just going to do what I do, live how I live. Now it's, it's, it's a whole different thing. But look what, the way that John terms it here is like people make choices and they gravitate towards evil. Whoa, that's, that's kind of heavy, right? It's, it says because their deeds were, were evil. I think, think if, if we have any parents here, it's not too hard to figure it out by the time your kid's four or five years old, and you go, so don't do that. What's the, what's the first thing the kid wants to do? The kid wants to do that. You go, where does that come from? By the time they're nine or ten, they're fully into it. By the time they're 16, they got it wired, right? Don't do that. I'm going to do that. Where, where, does that. where does that come from? There's that thing inside of us. The Bible just calls it sin. It just says, you know, we... We, we want to do good, but there's that, other, there's that battle that goes on inside of us. And so apart from Jesus, we're just going to always gravitate towards the dark side. That, that, that's just what it is. Now, there are things that when we, as we talk about this that we need to look inside of our life and say, so what, it is in, what is it in me? Even if I'm a Christ follower, we don't have this perfectly wired. Um, we, I, I like to think of it kind of like when we think of light, kind of a dimmer light. Uh, one of our rooms in our house has a dimmer light. And how many of you got one of those in your house? And so you can really crank it up or you can crank it down, you know, just depending on the mood or whatever. And in this particular case, it's like we have a spiritual dimmer light inside of us. Like uh, we can either go really light or we can go dark. And the Bible says it's our choice. 
We make the choices every single day. So here are some of the things that either can drive you towards the darkness or drive you towards the light. It just depends on what's going on. For instance, the first one, and this is just an observation that I've made, and uh, I think as our sermon team got together, we, sort of, we were talking about what is it that, that drives people either towards God or away from God? And I think the first one is a big one, is suffering. Like some people, when they suffer, they, they run to God and yatu. to. You to. You're like, oh, man, I, I need God. Help me, man. I'm suffering right now. And maybe uh, something really terrible has gone in your life or your career went sideways. You lost a bunch of money. You lost a person who died in your life wasn't supposed to, whatever it is. And, and you're like, oh, God, I need you. But then there's the other side of it. And I've been on the other side of it. Where I, just got, I got angry at God at one time in my life, actually a couple times in my life. Instead of running to God, I blame God. Like, how could you let this happen, man? I did not, and for me, I was actually in ministry at the time, and I just got really angry at God. I said, I did not sign up for this. I don't need this kind of abuse. And I just remember I just kind of walked away, not completely from God, but I I walked away where I just was sullen and angry and everything. But here's what happened, and, and maybe some of you have had this experience. When I began to walk towards the darkness, I realized why I had walked away from darkness in the first place. It's not a good place to be. Me and my self-pity and my anger, and then that anger working its way into my family and my relationships. And at some point, I said, nah, I'd rather be in the light. And I moved back towards God, and God just made everything better. Now, if if you're here today, and we're looking through this list here, if you find yourself in one of these categories, I want you to just consider, what would it look like to walk back into God's plan for your life, God's light for your life? Like, for instance, uh, um, a Maybe it's about a person. You say, it's really about that. It's about that, that one person, and, and they kind of are keeping me from being everything that God wants me to be and being in the light. This is one of the primary reasons that for when I was 19 years old, pretty young, I came to Christ, but um, I kind of hesitated for a while because I had this relationship. It wasn't a healthy relationship with this gal, and you know, she didn't really want anything to do with God and all that, but I just was hanging on to it, and finally it's like, okay. I made the decision. But many times people come up to me and they'll go, oh, my life is just so complex and there's all these messy things and it comes down to one. We'll, get, we'll talk for a while. It's one person. It's one person. And if they would let go of that one person or if they would do, respond appropriately with that one person, it would change everything in their life. Could it be that there's one person coming between you and God and darkness and light? How about distractions? I always say San Diego, San Diego to me is the land of distractions. There's just so much to do in San Diego. How easy is it to get off track spiritually? How easy is it to, you know, just stuff, life starts happening and, and you get real busy with this, that, or the other thing. And the next thing you know, you find yourself drifting. You, just, you didn't plan it. You know, it wasn't like you got up one day and said, I'm going to start just drifting away from God. But just somehow, it just started happening. And the next thing you know, you're, kind of, you're starting to sort of move into the land of darkness. And you're there, and then you're with people that are in the land of darkness. And the problem is sometimes you get so comfortable with the people of darkness and the land of darkness and the activities of darkness that when you begin to move back towards the light, you're like, ooh, wow, man, it kind of hurts my eyes a little bit. You start to move back away. Man, it... It takes absolute focus to follow Jesus, doesn't it? I mean, it means getting up every single day and, God, I, I choose to follow you today and, and the next day and the next day. 
And then, and then what about shame? You ever, you ever just been, you know, living in shame? You know, shame doesn't do anything good for anybody. I mean, you know, other than the, the moment where you go, I shouldn't have done that. But then from that point on, to, to stay in shame, so, so part, some people, it's kind of like, you know, that's what I used to be. And then I, don't, I just feel like I still am that person. That's what I used to do. That's what I'm, I'm so ashamed of. And what God says to you all the way through the Bible is, but you're not that person if you're with me. The moment that you walked into the light, yeah, you might still struggle with some of those same temptations and things like that, but that's not who you are. But shame says it is. So shame drives us right back into the land of darkness. But you know what God does? By the way, God will never shame you, ever. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, says, I'm not going to shame you. I will convict you. There's a big difference. Like if you and I, if we mess up, God says, okay, come to me. Don't go away from me. Come to me. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's get it right. And then let's move on with our life. And then there's just deliberate sin. I mean, again, I go back to the fact, this is why a lot of people, to a lot of people, and I've talked to them, they're like, totally makes sense. Jesus, God, the whole thing, I've seen it, looks good, don't want to do it. Why? Well, because I want to do my deal. I, I got, and, and even as Christ followers, it's not like everybody's living in the perfect light of, of God, right? Because we all have various sin issues that we're dealing all of our life. God is trying to change us and transform us. And, and so we're, maybe when you first became a Christ follower, it was big old things, you know? There's kind of what we call the sins of commission and the sins of omission. And we know what the difference. Sins of commission are the stuff that I do that I shouldn't do, right? Like I shouldn't steal and I shouldn't cheat and I shouldn't lie, and I shouldn't you know, gossip. Those are sins of commission. And we all kind of get that. And so I think sometimes we think, well, you know, if I just could do better on that, I think I, think I got it. But then there's the sins of omission. And that's the stuff that we ought to do that we're not doing. I think sometimes God's actually more concerned about that. Because it's one thing to say, well, I think I'm doing pretty good with all that stuff I shouldn't be doing. But what about the things that really are a part of being a follower of Jesus? Being people of compassion and people of love and people that are generous and people that are caring and people that serve and people that sacrifice. Like, I know for, maybe for some of you, you've never, I've never thought of that as being like sinful. But, but it's a great calling on our life. You find yourself there today in some kind of deliberate sin or how about the, fi- the final one? And we could just keep on going, but these are just a few we thought of. Disconnection. The sin of disconnection is this. And this is why we have life groups all the time. This is why we try to gather you up as often as we can, because we need to pray for each other. We need to support each other. But disconnection is just, again, I just kind of start drifting away. Next thing I know, I'm doing my own thing. I'm kind of embarrassed to come back to church. You know, when I, when I get with people that are really following seriously after God, it kind of makes me feel a little bit bad. That's, that's disconnection. All of these can be fixed right now, all of them. And the fixing is simply is coming back into the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of life. And God wants us to walk in that life so that, that we're not moving in the direction. Um, we've, you might have heard this before, but just because I'm in the right, it doesn't mean I'm walking in the light. Check, check this out. The, the Pharisees are after Jesus, and they're trying to catch him on a technicality. Did you know that the Pharisees were lawyers? They knew the law backwards. They were a different kind of lawyer than we have today, but they were, they were lawyers. And so, they're, you know, what do lawyers do? They look for technicalities, loopholes. So 
the Pharisees challenge him. He says, you're appearing as your own witness, but your testimony is not valid. Now, if you go back to the first 12 verses of, of chapter 8, there's an amazing story that even if you don't know the Bible, you've probably heard this one before, where the woman who was caught in adultery is thrown at the very feet of Jesus as he's at the temple. And they're, they're, they're looking for some way to trap Jesus. And they go, hey, Jesus, we caught this woman. She's in the very act of adultery. Obviously, it was a big setup. And you know what the law of Moses says? It says we got to stone her to death. That's actually what the law of Moses said. It's in- interesting, the guy wasn't there. You know, and the, the law of Moses said that the guy was supposed to get stoned to death, but just she's there. And, and so they think they have him. And Jesus looked at, the, at this, and of course he sees it's all wrong, even though it's based on a law. And he said, all right, you're right, yeah, that's what it says. So whoever doesn't have any sin in their life at all, go ahead, cast the first stone. And we know that one by one, they just walked away. Here's the point. Have you ever won an argument and felt like you really lost? Have you ever had like the law on your side, but still it didn't seem like you did the right thing? I mean, let's face it. We live in America, the land of the laws and the rights, especially the rights. We, we, we think like we equate American rights with the Bible, which is actually not true. And so we will use the law or our rights to hide in, to, for our rightness, right? You can be an absolute, you can be on the right side and be an absolute jerk. You can be so right and sleep on the couch at night. You know what I'm talking about? And this is what we're talking, this is what the Pharisees are doing, because their heart is all wrong. I've done it myself before. I won arguments with my wife, but I, the whole time, using my logic, Everything I thought, eh, I just, I, that was wrong, the way that I did it. To be in the light is to have the right heart, is to have the right attitude. It's not just about standing behind the law or hiding behind the law, sometimes as people will do. Jesus came to, he came to illuminate our path so that we'll know, you know, like what direction should I go and, and how should I walk and how should I live and what are my values going to be? He came to illuminate all of that. Um, I'll tell you, I, I have got one of the world's worst sense of directions. And it wasn't until the GPS came out that I finally began to find my right, you know, around places. I spent so much time before in maps and Thomas guides, and I just lost, just all the time. But there's one saving grace I have about living in San Diego. I always know where the ocean is. And based on the ocean, I can find my way anywhere. I can't, I love it, I love it. All I did, where am I? I look at the ocean, I'll go, oh, I know where I'm at. And I can find my way anywhere because of the ocean. It's really the same with Jesus. If you're lost in life or, or you're just kind of stumbling around, just look at, he's saying, look at me, I will illuminate your path. And when I began to find, even today in my life, I'm starting to get off course a little bit, trying to figure it out. I look to Jesus, just like I look to the ocean and I go, okay, he's the one who's gonna get me back on the right path. And he always does. Does every single time. Finally, we, we walk not only ourselves in the do we walk in the light, but hopefully we'll guide a few other people. You know, we're we're walking along and we go, okay, Jesus, just show me the way. Okay, I think I got it. By the way, you guys want to follow me? I think I'm on the right path. You, you can follow me as well. You can help a lot of lost people. 
A lot of people that are out there and they're just like, their life looks pretty terrible and they're trying to figure it out just like you were trying to figure it out. And now you've got the light and now you, you can help them. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, it says, This is the message that we've heard from him and we declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. True statement. But if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But look at this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So what that means is a bunch of us walking together, helping each other, supporting each other, praying for each other, knowing that we don't always have it together, but we just, we're, we're staying with the light. We're going, okay, let's just, let's just follow the light, you know? Let's just follow Jesus, and we're going to help each other, and he's going he's to make our life better. He, he's going to help all, all of us. How can I shine light for somebody else? How, how do we do that anyway? Jesus put it this way, and I'll leave you with this. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he said, you are the light of the world. Are you the light of the world? Are you? Am I? God is saying we ought to be. Does that mean we're perfect? Not even close. Does that mean we have it all together? No, I don't have it all together. But one time, the Apostle Paul made this statement. It's a great statement. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. How confident would you be in telling somebody, hey, follow me? Like, see, I have, I'm absolutely confident, not just because I'm a pastor, but I'm saying, if you follow me, you're not going to see a perfect guy. You might say, oh, you know, I saw you speeding the other day, you know, you're not perfect. And uh, I saw you say something you shouldn't have said. Yeah, I know. I, thought, I got a temper sometimes. But if you, if you follow me overall, what you're going to see is a guy who is passionately following Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to say, follow me, as I follow Jesus. And I don't think that if you're really following Jesus, you should ever be ashamed to say in that. Again, just saying, like, well, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. But here's the deal. I am following Jesus. And you can follow me. And whatever darkness you're in, I'll tell you what, it'll be a lot better than the darkness you're in. A lot better than you stumbling around out there because God's got me on a good path. And I'd like you to be on a good path too. A lamp is placed on a, on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Are you bringing the light to the people around you? Do you have the light in yourself? Let's pray. Father, what, a, what an astounding statement. I am the light of the world. And to know, Lord, that in a world that's full of all kinds of crazy darkness and a lot of us just still trying to figure it out, that you're there to help us, to guide us. And, and all we have to do is just ask you and you'll do it. Lord, sometimes it's, it, it becomes a little more complicated because, well, after all, there's certain things that we like. And certain things that we want to do, and yet we know that we shouldn't do them. And I, in this moment, Lord, I pray that some people in here that need to will make deliberate decisions about choices in their life. Maybe about things that they're doing right now, and they know they're in the darkness. And right now, in this moment, you are talking to them about that. Maybe about that person. Maybe about that situation. Maybe it's about something that's just their little guilty pleasure. But at the end of the day, God, you know it's not good for them. They know it's not good for them. God, whatever it is, and in this moment, they would choose to walk out of the darkness in that area of their life and into your light. 
That way they can receive your blessing. And you'll give them more light, more revelation, God, as they walk in that. So God, give us courage. Help us to be brave and to move towards the light of the world. You are the light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray.